Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, we were going through our study again, talking about life, and some of you have been here from the beginning, some of you have not been here at all, and so I just want to try to give you a little bit of a a recap without taking too much time, Uh, but we're looking at life, talking about all the different things that has to do with life, Uh, talking about love and loss, talking about inspiration and position, talking about family, faith, and friends, and um, talking about all these things that that our life encompasses. And uh, how we're doing this is doing a study of the life, well, the lineage, the life, and the legacy of Joseph. And I took a a couple of assumptions into this. The the couple of assumptions were this, that several people knew a little bit about Joseph uh, at the end of his life. The fact that he was blessed and that he had all these good things going on. Some people know that some bad things happened in his life. But for the most part, his life turned out really good. Um, as we think about his, his life as a whole. So what we've done is we've gone back and started at where his dad, Jacob, stole and lied to his dad, uh, the blessing that belonged to his brother Esau. And so we've kind of learned some lessons along the way. And last week on Mother's Day, we looked at a couple of things uh, I think that were very important for us to, to, to grab, but also uh, for us to, to, to have as we move forward in the study. The first thing was this. Sin always leads to darkness and death. You know, there, there's a lot of misconception about sin. Uh, the world has a, a, a misconception about what sin is and, and what, the, what, what sin produces. The Bible's very clear that sin brings death, that the payment, the wages of sin is death. That's what Scripture says. Uh, but sin also brings us to dark places. And that's, what, again, what we saw with Jacob, Joseph's father. The second thing is this, though. That grace, specifically God's grace, has and always will be right on time. Uh, If you were here, you remember that Jacob had left. He bailed. He ran. He, again, had stolen the the blessing, had deceived his uh, brother out of his birthright as well. And he was running to try to escape his brother's wrath. Esau, his brother, said, look, I'm going to kill him. If I get my hands on him, I'm going to kill him. He's he's a deceiver. He's stolen everything good that was mine, and and, and I'm going to kill him. He not only ran for that, but his mother, Rebecca, had also conspired with him to protect him. And so she, co- she goes to Isaac, her husband, uh, who is Jacob's father, and she says, Look, I, I want Jacob to marry. It-, it-, it burdens my soul that he would marry somebody here in, in Cana. He-, he doesn't need to marry somebody in this foreign land. He needs to marry somebody in the right line. And so uh, Isaac agrees. And so, again, they send him away. He gets protected. But what we found last week is that he was all alone. He runs. He's all alone. He's in the dark. And all he has are rocks for pillows to lay his head on in that, at that night. And, and, again, it's a picture of what sin brings us to. We think, man, I've got away with it. I've got the blessing. I've got the birthright. I've got all these good things going on. But at the end of it, he's there alone in the dark with rocks for his pillows. Again, that's what sin had led him to. We also probably could go back in our minds, and if you were here in the beginning, I said, uh, I want to imagine that we're Joseph watching this kind of, this cinema, this this movie of his life. You know, this family movie, we all have 
uh, family movies. Some of them are still on VHSs. Some have been converted to DVDs. Some people's are completely digital online right now because we take them with our phones and upload them and stuff. Um, but we, we go and we watch movies. And uh, we, for, for, for a matter of fact, we have these two that I've made out of pictures and videos of our girls and put them on DVDs. And our girls loved to watch when they were, when they were babies and, and, and growing up and stuff like that. There's just something sentimental about that, nostalgic about looking back. And so I said, you know, maybe, maybe we'll picture ourselves as, as Joseph going back and watching his family movie. And you can imagine along the way he's thinking, man, this is my dad. <laughs> my, my dad is stealing. He's lying. He's conniving. He's doing all these things. Not a whole lot to be proud of uh, if he was watching this go on. Uh, but in that moment, you can see Jacob stealing in, in the excitement that he, he, he had when he, when he had stolen. He, had, he actually pulled it off. He put, you know, animal skin on his, on his hand and on his neck, and his mom helped him, you know, wear smelly clothes to smell like his brother. And, and when it worked, you know, you can imagine him walking away thinking, it worked. <laughs> I did it. I, I deceived. I can't believe I got, I got the blessing. I got all these things. And again, that the moment that that the pleasure of sin just for a season was real and it was there in his life and God showed up you know he was there alone in our minds deserving what he he had coming to him he had sinned he had lied he had stolen he had ran he, you know, he was, he was all these things, and, and, and we look at his life there laying on that, 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 that pillow, with, with, with that rock for a pillow, and we look at his life and we think, that's what you deserve. You deserve to be alone. You deserve to be in the dark. You deserve to have a pillow of a rock. And then, as I said, God showed up. He showed up in a way that doesn't really make sense in our earthly, our fleshly justice, because our earthly and fleshly justice says this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He got what he had coming. He deserved to be like that. That's what he deserved. See, he didn't deserve anything from God other than God showing up in judgment and, and, and giving to him what he, in our, again, in our minds, what he had coming to him. But how did God show up? God showed up with grace which is a mind-blowing thing. Again, we think that's what you deserve, that loneliness, that darkness. You, you don't deserve anything good anymore. You've stolen, you've lied. How could you do that to your father? How could you do that to your brother? That's what you deserve. And God shows up with grace. It's a mind-blowing thing. And in that moment that God shows up with grace, Jacob places his trust in him. Jacob then turns around and makes pillars uh, out of these rocks that he had laid down as, as pillows. And, 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 he, and he dedicates the place as the place of God, the house of God. And there you have it. So we look at this story and we, we, we kind of stand back and say, so that's it? I mean, Jacob goes and, and, and he lies and he steals and he cheats and, and he does all these mean and ugly things. And, and he goes and, and all he has to deal with is, is a little bit of darkness and, and loneliness and, and a pillow for a rock. And, and that's it. And then God shows up, gives him grace and everything's fixed in his life, how does that, how's that fair? I mean, think about Isaac, think about Esau, his brother, who got all these things, I mean, what do they get now? So Jacob just gets let, let off the hook, he gets to go free, 
He places his trust in God, makes a, 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 dedica- a place of dedication for God, and now he just skates off freely? It doesn't seem like it's real fair in our, in our minds. We start to maybe ask the question, does he not have anything to worry about from this point forward? It's done, right? So I want to pray this morning, and I want to see what it looks like moving forward. Now that God's grace has shown up, now that Jacob has placed his trust in God, what what does it look like? I mean, all the wrong he's done, all the sin he's done done in the past, all these bad things he's done in the past, but now he's placed his trust in God, what is it going to look like moving forward? So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to come here again today um, to worship you, to, to have this day of dedication, to have this day of celebration of worship to you and you alone god you're you're worthy of this every single day of our lives because it's you that gives us the breath you you give us life and so you you deserve this every day but we're thankful for this day that we have uh, to be here and lord i pray that you continue to work in this service continue to uh, speak to us through your word we thank you for the sunday school hour and the scriptures that have been shared already in this uh, in this service but now i pray you would just use me as a vessel Uh, to speak what needs to be spoken, that you would get the praise from it, Lord, that we would also respond the right way. Lord, if there's someone here today that's never placed their faith in you, maybe they'd realize today just how loving you are, how how that you're not willing that any would perish, any any person would spend an eternity apart from you in a place that you've designed for your enemy, a place called hell. Lord, if someone's here and they've never done that, I pray they would come to faith today experience forgiveness experience eternal life know that heaven is going to be their eternal home lord help us today to hear your voice and to respond rightly again we ask and pray all this in jesus name amen you have your bibles you can turn to genesis chapter 28 Um, and if you're already there if you're not there i'll give you just a second Um, as you're doing that i just want to remind you uh where he left where we left off in this in the study last week uh, verse 20 i believe is where, where we left off it says then jacob vowed a vow saying if if god will be with me and will keep me in this way that i go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that i come again to my father's house in peace then shall the lord be my god so it it, it kind of looks like in in, in the, the the first part of this declaration that he's putting a lot of conditions on his faith in God. If God will protect me, if God will keep clothes on me, if God will feed me, if God will do all these things for me, then he will be my God. And this stone, again, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house, and all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the the, the debate of whether this was true faith or whether it was, um, again, conditional God, if you will do all this for me, then I will trust you. I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to get into all of that. Uh, the fact is, we see a vow that's made by Jacob. God has obviously showed up to him and given him grace. These are things that we know 100%. We can't guess about the other things. We can look at his life or what's about to happen in his life and think, well, maybe he didn't sincerely put his faith in God then. We can do that, but these are the things that we truly know. He made a vow. He made this pillar, and now evidently he's going the way that God is still going. And some people might say, well, and some people do say, wait a second. You know, this this doesn't seem quite fair. Again, all of his lies, all of his sin, all of his thievery, all of it. 
He, he doesn't have to answer for it. He's not going to have to pay for this now. I mean, he just gets off scot-free. I mean, how does this make sense? I want to say, say this this morning. Sometimes that's the way things appear in our life. Sometimes you can look at somebody, and they're just the worst person. They've done all these bad things. They've got they, they've, all this stuff that they've done. And then you look at them, and it seems like they're not having to pay for anything. They're not having to pay for all the wrong they've done. They've seemingly just kind of got by with everything. And we look at them, and we say, how, that, how is that fair? I mean, it doesn't seem like in my life that I can do one thing wrong, and the next thing you know, everything falls apart. How is it fair that they can live like that and seemingly get by with all this? I would say that some people even approach God with this mindset that, that Jacob approached God. That God, I, I'm going to trust you, and when I trust you, when I put my faith in you, I want you to make everything in my life good. I, I mean, I want all the wrongs made right. I want all the bad I've done. I mean, all, I want it all just fix all my mistakes, make all the bad good. That's what I expect you to do. I want to be clear again this morning. The Bible says very clearly that sin has consequences. And so while our sin may, will absolutely be forgiven when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection. When we say, I believe that Jesus is the only way because he said he was the only way. When we do that in our life, in that moment that we place our faith in the Lord, salvation comes to us, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and we are washed clean. The Bible says every sin is gone, washed. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. We will never have to pay for our sins ever again because we placed our faith in Jesus who paid for our sins praise God but it doesn't mean the sin that we've committed doesn't have consequences because we can be forgiven and and the judgment on our sin and the payment for our sin all of it taken care of but those those consequences still linger in our life or still show up in our life if somebody goes out and murders somebody, and while we're saying this, you know, I'm just maybe get on a little bit of soapbox I shared with the men this morning. My, my heart is, is broken for those families in Santa Fe, uh, just like it was in, in, in Florida. Uh, the words cannot express how heavy your heart feels when you think about a parent sending their kid to school, and the next thing you know, that's what they're hearing. Un unbelievable, a nightmare. This is a nightmare. So we're very heartbroken and, and continuing to pray for those families, those, those teachers, it, just everybody uh, involved there. But it seems like, you know, this, all this stuff is, is increasing. The same day, I think, I told Rochelle, uh, or maybe it was the day after, I, I saw uh, an earthquake in Johnson County uh, that they, they showed up and, on the news and stuff. And I was thinking... I mean, it's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. Violence increasing, the lack of, uh, the, the respect of authority, the, 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 the lack of regard for life. I mean, the end times is, is fully upon us. I mean, we're seeing it more and more and more every day. But I, I told the guys this morning, I said, you know, I, I just feel like that it began a long time ago. When it, was, it didn't happen my, my time when I was in school. I asked some of the older guys in prayer this morning, did y'all ever have any things like, like this when y'all were in school? They said, nope, nothing like that. Well, what's changed? We, we went through a time in our country where we said, God, 
You've had your time. Get out. And it's continued to go like that, and, and, and it's happened in the school system, it's happened in families, it's happened in our culture, it's happened to where it, 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 so many people don't want God until something comes like this, and people say, God, please bless. Well, we need to be asking for his, his protection in the schools, during the schools, before any of this stuff happens, but that's where so, so much has gone wrong, is, is they've kicked God out. I'm not saying it, 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 it still couldn't happen like that, but I feel like there has been so much disregard. We find our culture now completely the base. Young people are just left to themselves. I mean, you, how, how, does, how, does, how do parents and, and how, do, how do people who really care and love uh, this, this, this young man who, who is putting all this stuff out there in the public and social media of evil, of killing. How is that? I mean, I'm thinking, if my kid had anything similar to that, I'm thinking, we're changing some things. We've got to have some serious, we're going to keep a close ox, something. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe that was where the breakdown. But we, we look at something like that, and this, let's just take this young man, for example. Let's say that, that he's now done this, and no doubt he's going to pay the price. He's going to probably give be given the maximum sentence and uh, I think in Texas the law is 40 years he's, he's, he's eligible for parole uh, but maybe the rest of his life spent in, in prison uh, but let's say in this prison some, some, some pastor some, some cellmate who's a Christian gives him the gospel and this, this young man gets saved he's, he's born again and, and our human justice and no he needs to pay for it and that, that's not fair how can he just go in there and get saved and now all of his sins are forgiven and he doesn't have to go to hell he can go to heaven Absolutely, he could do that. But he's still going to be in that jail for the rest of his life, the consequences of sin. Again, he, when he ends this life, he, he'll go into the presence of God and, and be forgiven because the blood of Jesus would have covered him if he, got saved, you know, if he gets saved between now and the time that he dies. But he'll still pay for the consequences of his sin. Again, we know this is true in our lives and in Scripture. Sin has consequences. Sin has a payment. It's death. We've already talked about this. But at this point in our study, at this point in man's history, there's no written law. Moses wasn't on the scene yet. Uh, the, the way that God has been interacting with, with mankind has been through his chosen line. Uh, he shows up and he talks and he, show, he reveals himself to, like he did with Jacob. He talks to Abraham and says, go up and sacrifice your, your, your son that I gave you. This is how God has been interacting. But man, at our point in the study, has been failing. And that's where we find ourselves. Because Jacob just now is coming to supposedly trust in God as this, this, this man. He, he didn't come as a young boy, trust in God. It, so evidently Isaac, there was a breakdown there. Evidently maybe even with, with Abraham. I don't know, somewhere the will and the, and the, and the way of God hasn't been communicated the way it should have been. But that's the key. It's always been by trusting in God that formed a relationship with God. That's the way Abraham had to do it. That's the way Isaac had to do it. That's the way Jacob. God's grace has been extended over and over and over. He extended it to Abraham. He extended it to Isaac. Now he's extended it to Jacob. This is the way it's been. It's always been because God extends grace Man then has a response. 
Do I trust and obey or do I reject and rebel? That's been the case. So in this moment of grace, we see, again, Jacob trusts God, and things are a little bit different. So look what happens next in chapter 29. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And he's walking, and he sees this well. And there were three flocks of sheep lying by it, by it. For out of that well they watered those flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep. And they put the stone again upon the well's mouth in its place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? So these shepherds were out there with these three flocks. It was what happened all the time. It was a big well, supplied a lot of water, big stone over the well's mouth. They had to move it whenever they were going to water these flocks. And then when they were done, they put the stone back over. Jacob walks up to them and says, Hey, where do you guys come from? They said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, of the son of Nahor? And they said, yeah, we know him. Hey, you know who uh, Laban is? Yeah, we know Laban. Oh, good, 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 good. Is he well? How's he doing? <laughs> this is just normal talk. I mean, this is written in King James, right? Um, so it's a little bit different, but you can see the scene. Jacob walks up to these guys. They're probably relaxing there with their flocks or, or chit-chatting, you know. And uh, he says, hey, how's it going? Where you guys come from? We're over there from, uh, from uh, uh, where do you say they're from? <laughs> Haran, yeah, not Laban, I was saying Laban, not from Laban, from Haran. And uh, they said, oh, cool, yeah, hey, do you know Laban? Say, yeah, we know Laban, hey, how's he doing? He's doing good. By the way, check it out, look what happens. He said, behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with sheep. Now, again, we're watching this family movie, right? And at this point in time, they get on the video editor, and they slow down the film, and they, they insert a little romantic music, maybe they... Maybe they have the wind blowing her hair just right as she's walking with her flocks. And Jacob says, hubba hubba. I don't know, or something. <laughs> he says something. He says, whoa, whoa. You know, I mean, there are a bunch of guys out there. There are a bunch of guys with their, their sheep. And Jacob, he's been alone. He's been lonely. He's going to find a wife. And they, they're talking about Laban. You know, he say, he's the guy I know. How's he doing? He's doing good. Hey, by the way, look, here comes his daughter. And Jacob's like, hmm? You know, hey, this is, something's changed. Um, I, I want to get something real quick, first of all. L let's, let's think about this. Th there is, at this point in history, there's no such thing as a GPS. There's no such thing as Waze or Google or Apple Maps. There was no map. I mean, they didn't hand them, look, here is um, an atlas. Here is, you know, they didn't do that. Uh, Jacob was just going, and notice that he just happened upon this particular well in this particular field with these particular guys, and this particular girl is the one that walks up. Isn't that interesting? To me, that's just amazing, right? That's, I, I mean, it could have been something else, right? It, it could have been some other girl, it could, but it wasn't. It was all of these things. I would say this absolutely was not chance. Not, not at all by chance. And again, we're not going to debate whether Jacob had truly put his trust in God, whether he had truly done these things, he was sincere in his heart, or he was really just trying to get something out of this relationship with God like he had tried to get out of the relationship with his family. Regardless, he had made a vow. He had declared to God, I'm going to trust you. And it tells us something today that's so true. Point number one is God directs our steps 
when we walk by faith as well. Jacob seemingly was walking by faith. And again, he, he comes upon this time and this place with this girl and all of these things that are orchestrated by God. See, he could have been caught up in fear. He could have been, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. He could have been uh, completely, because he was out of his element, he was in an unfamiliar place. He could have, he could have been saying, you know, I, I just don't want to be here. I don't want to go talk to those guys. He could have done all these things. He could have been consumed with what he thought. I don't know about this. I think this. I think that. He could have tried to, you know, rationalize certain things. But after his encounter with the Lord and seemingly placing his faith in God, he walks by faith. He trusts God to lead him in his life moving forward. The Bible says certain things about this too. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 117, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Galatians 3, 11, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. It doesn't mean that we go aimlessly in our life. It doesn't mean to say, you know, I'm trusting God and I'm just, you know, doing what I think and, and hoping that God shows up. No, that's not what it means. Psalms 40, verse 4, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. In Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a man or a good man are ordered by the Lord or established by the Lord when he delights in his way. So we have amazing benefits. We have amazing blessings that are given to us in the form of God's written word. Not only that, he's, he's given us also spiritual leaders in our life, teachers and preachers. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have resources that God has given himself to give us direction. So in, this, in these directions, we can make decisions based off these resources because they will line up with God's will if they are of God. And when we move and we go this way, when we live our lives in this pattern, then God shows up and he reveals his ways. He reveals his will. He reveals his blessings, his help. In supernatural ways, just like he did with, with, with Jacob right here. There's just no way you can say, there's no way you can explain this any other way. I mean, the, the, he, was, he was not going to a specific location. He happened upon this well. He happened upon these guys in this flock. They happened to be from Haran. They happened to know Laban. They happened to realize that was Laban's daughter, who Jacob would eventually love and marry. It's not by chance. Maybe in your life you come to different places. I know I have. You say, you know, I, I just don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what decision to make. I would ask you some questions. I would say, first of all, have you sought God's face in prayer? I'm not saying have you said a prayer. I'm not saying have you asked him to bless your food and, and give you direction in, in that moment. I'm saying have you sought God's face in prayer? Have you talked to him? Have you petitioned him? God, I need direction. I want to do your will. I want to know what your will is. God, I want you to direct my steps. I don't want to step outside of what your will is for my life. Have you sought God's face in prayer? Have you dove into his word? I'm not talking about just read a, a couple of verses. I'm not just talking about um, spending you know, a, a minute in it. I'm talking about have you dove into God's word, seeking his face, seeking his wisdom, seeking his counsel from his word? And speaking of counsel, have you sought the counsel of your pastor? Have you sought the counsel of your pastors? Have you sought the counsel of spiritual leaders in your life? 
And with all of that, does it line up with God's word? Because, again, if it is of God, it will line up with his word. And so I've done all of that. I've prayed until I can't pray anymore. I don't know what else to pray. I read God's word. I'm in it all the time seeking God's wisdom. I've talked to you, Brother Kyle. I've talked to other pastors. I've talked to my Sunday school teacher. I've talked to another lady. I've talked to this. I've talked to that. And and I still don't know what to do. I still feel like I'm just in, in no man's land. And I would encourage you to do this. Be still and know that he's God. Wait on the Lord. I say wait. So I don't, I don't really like that. <laughs> Trust God, though. It means you're going to wait on him. Trust him. But maybe God said, you know, hey, yes, I, I, I've gotten clarity. Then guess what? If you've gotten clarity and God's giving you direction, then move in faith, knowing, trusting God that he's going to deliver in his time the same way that he did for Jacob. Jacob, again, couldn't have known the details. There's no way he would have known all these details. That's why he was asking the questions. Where do you guys come from? Do you know Laban? Again, how is he? He didn't know any details. This is something interesting, by the way, just kind of a side note. You know that that wells in the Bible were associated with blessings? They they still are. And in, in much of the third world today, it's still associated with blessings. You get a well in a community that doesn't have clean water, that's a huge blessing from God. There's a celebration there. But wells in the Bible have always been associated with God's blessings. It's a a source of refreshment, a source of life, because water is a source of life. And this is where the meeting of Jacob and Rachel would take place, this place of blessing. Look back in our text, verse 7, he said, Lo, it's yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together, um, so water the sheep. And go feed them. Why are you guys hanging around here? I mean, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe these guys were lazy. Regardless, Jacob said, hey, you do this. Look what their answer is. They said, hey, we can't until all the flocks be gathered together. And then they're going to roll the stone away. We're not going to do it more than once. We're gonna, then we're going to roll the stone away from the well's mouth. Then we will water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep because she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, uh, his mother's brother. Let's get this straight. Again, this is his cousin that's coming up, okay? Um, But he's smitten. He's stricken. And for some, the way that things were, this was right and normal, okay? (laughs) So she comes. She's keeping uh, her her, her father's uh, sheep. And it came to pass when Jacob saw the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, the sheep of Laban's, his mother's brother, his mother's brother, sorry, that Jacob went near, he ripped off his shirt, flexed his muscles, and rolled, rolled the stone from the well's mass. Not in there. Oh. <laughs> you know that had to be there, too. Again, we're watching this movie. They couldn't put that in the Bible. But you know that there's some real elements to this, Right? I mean, Jacob, he's like already thinking, oh, wow, you know, God has brought this, this beautiful woman to my life. This is ordained of God. I mean, what do I got to do? And she starts bringing her flock over there, and he's like, you guys need to be watering the sheep around here. I'm not, nobody's doing nothing. I guess I got to do it. And so he rips his shirt off. You know, he makes sure he looks back that Rachel's looking. He turns his body and his biceps just the right way, and 
grunts, ah, throws the rock off. Water, you know. See, now it's in your head. You're seeing it. It's real. These are real people. It happened. I mean, I don't know if all that stuff happened, but. And he rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother, his uncle. Verse 11 gets even more interesting. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. <laughs> you know, if you, just, if you just take the Bible sometimes at, at face value without looking a little deeper, it can be really, really, really humorous. And it is humorous in some, in, in, in some parts. But I've always wondered... What you ladies would do if this happened to you? <laughs> you know? I mean, think about this. How would this make you feel? An uncomfortable kiss and an uncomfortable weeping after the kiss. Because <laughs> he cries aloud and he's weeping, right? <laughs> I mean, did, did she turn his <laughs> You know? Why is that why he was crying? I mean, she had been watching the flock. She had been walking. You know, was she like, what is wrong? You know, why is he crying? You can imagine this was weird. But what does this do to Rachel? How does she feel? How does she respond? Verse 12, and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother uh, and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father, Again, just surface value, like, sur okay, this is a problem. Like, he kisses her, then he starts weeping out loud, uncontrollably, and he reveals to her who he is, I'm your cousin, and she runs and tells her father. <laughs> Weird stuff. I just think, though, it, it might be funny for us, I believe as you study and you look deeper that this is more of a rejoicing, a revealing of God's blessing in, in Jacob's life and even in Rachel's life, um, that God had done something that they couldn't have done for themselves. Can you imagine what Jacob was feeling in this moment? I don't know if you've ever had that type of experience, but I know in my life there's been several times that I, I've realized the blessing of God and have just been so overwhelmed. Like, I don't deserve this. Wow, God, you're amazing. I don't, I don't understand this, and I believe that's where Jacob was coming from in this moment, where he realizes that, that he couldn't have orchestrated any of this, but that God ordained all of this, and he was actually experiencing these blessings that he didn't deserve. And it overwhelmed him in that moment. And that's where I believe the weeping came from. Again, he was sent to get a wife, and God brings his wife to him, literally. Again, this feeling of unworthiness. The overwhelming nature of God's blessing sometimes can bring us to this place. And that's where point number two is this morning, that God disperses his blessings at perfect times and in perfect ways. There's times that, that I've wanted God to do something at a certain time, and he didn't do it that way. And I thought, God, why do you do that? Why do you, man, why, you needed to move, you needed to change, you needed to do something like this. And, and my way was, was now, but later on found out the way that God actually did it was way better. His blessings were way better when it was in his time, in his way. Again, we could have seen Jacob try to 
do certain things again because he's already done that. He's already tried to make away his, his, own, his own self. He's, we've already seen what that, that brought about. When he does things his way, I'm just going to make it happen for myself. That's what he did with his dad. That's what he did with his brother. And, and we saw what that got him. I'm going to make it happen for myself. And maybe now he's learned, I'm not going to do that anymore, at least for now. In this moment, being captivated by the blessings of God, realizing, man, God's way is just way better. Man, I just trust God to do it his way. It's just way, way better. In the moment, when he did it his way, it was good in the moment. But it cost him later. The reality is this, you and I can be guilty of the same exact thing. The same exact thing happens in our life. We try to work out good for ourselves. Man, I really want this good thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take this job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop. I'm gonna, we, we make all these decisions trying to make good for ourselves, and we miss God's best. It may be good for us in the moment, but we miss God's best along the way. See, in these processes, we can ignore the Word of God. We can ignore the will of God. In, in, in our presumption, thinking that we've got it figured out, think, you know what? It's going to be all right. But what we end up doing is robbing ourselves of the very best of God's bounties. That's what happens. And the thing about this is Jacob also knew what it was like to try to rush God's blessings. You know, I've, I, I unfortunately have seen, uh, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and, and it was, we'd see some kids graduate and, and and move on and but be here still and, and and some of them would just leave the church trying to make things happen for themselves and and some of them went and searched for spouses and i'm not saying there's anything wrong i mean jacob was going looking for a spouse but in the wrong way trying to make it happen themselves versus being led of god versus being going on god's directive and god's will and and based on god's counsel and 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 you can see some of those uh, that they've actually said, man, we wish we would have listened. We wish we would have done things differently. Man, it, it cost us certain things. We, we went down roads that we shouldn't have gone down. We now have consequences for the rest of our life. I mean, certain things like that, and it's, and it's, it's heartbreaking uh, to see, but all of us can be that way. I'm just going to do it my way because I want to rush God's blessings. And along the way, we can miss so much. Our girls are so funny. I love talking about them because I love them. I, um, Addison came in there last night and her, her little face, and I just grabbed it. And I said, I love you so much. She just came in there just to, I don't know what she did. Uh, she, she was saying something, I think, but I was just looking at her saying, I, I love you so much, you know. And, um, now she's sleeping. But, no. <laughs> but um, you know, they're, they're so funny because they're, they're, they're so different. Um, and but similar in some ways but uh, Addison is itching to drive um, she she has a, a game on her little iPod and she as often as she can she's driving you know and uh, last night went to a uh, went to a birthday party she's on the, the machine driving you know the one of the arcades driving loving it she can't wait to drive but she also cannot wait to get married and uh, be a pastor's wife. And uh, she can't wait to live in her own house and have her own family. Um, she's got it. Free spirit. She knows what she wants. Avery, she's itching to drive too. Well, she's a little closer than Addison is. 
She's itching to drive, but not itching to get married. She's going to live with us for the rest of her life. <laughs> That's what she says. Now, I, she's changed that recently to um, she's going to live in our house for a long time, and then she's going to get a house maybe next to us or a couple houses down from us. Not too far from up, but she's not getting married still. We said, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But I, I can remember being their ages, and even as I got closer to 16, being so itch, itching and ready to drive, I couldn't wait for it. Other things to happen, when Rochelle and I were engaged, uh, couldn't wait to get married. We're just just talking about it and just anticipating the day, like we could not wait to get, get married. But just by the, the nature of how we age and how we grow and, 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 and our development and stuff like that, we see certain things in our life that, that they're good and they're right, but at the right time, right? I mean, my girls want to do these things, but it's not the right time for them. It's not, everybody can accept that. I mean, I don't want my, my nine-year-old behind the wheel of a car out there. She's not ready. It's not the right time. She hasn't done what she needs to do to, to do that. And, and so I don't want my 13-year-old, I really don't want my 16-year-old or 17-year-old behind the wheel. That's the truth. I mean, like they should be able to drive when they're like 21 or something. Some of you teenagers are like, shh. <laughs> We're talking. But we look at things in this life and we think, that's exactly right. I would not have my five-year-old drive my car. No way. I would not have them do this. There's certain things that can happen at, at, at a right time. But here's, here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Is we can accept things like that. We can accept a nine-year-old doesn't need to be driving a vehicle on the highway. We can accept, look, they're not ready to get married. They're, they're, they're 13 years old. We, we can say all these things in, in the physical and the natural and the temporal realms. Marriage, driving, kids, etc. That's all acceptable to us. But listen this morning. Why can't we accept that God's timing and other things and blessings may be later down the road than what we want as well as adults? Think about it. Think about this. As bad as our girls want to drive right now, we're not just going to toss them the keys and say, tear it up. There you go. Have fun. We're not going to do that. As bad as they want it, as bad as they want it right now, it's not going to happen. Why? Because as their parents, we know better. We know there's a, a time coming that they'll be ready for those blessings and those responsibilities that are associated with that. Well, we can get that for our own selves. We can get that for our, for in the physical realm. It makes sense to us. And we, we, we put boundaries and we put those things out there and it's not a problem for us. But when it comes to us as adults in our lives and we want God to bless and we want God to do and we want God to give us and we want God to do these things, we want to sometimes just make it happen right now because we don't want to have the same view of God as we want our kids to have of us in, in this. We don't want to wait till the right time. Because sometimes we think that we know the right time better than God may know the right time. So no, no, I don't think that. But that's how we approach things. That's our mindset sometimes. I think it should be right now. I think it should happen right now when God may be saying, wait, my child. Keep walking with me. I'll keep growing you. And I'm going to give you that blessing and all the responsibilities associated with that blessing when it's the right time. When you walk in the right field with the right shepherds 
and the right flocks and the right girl comes along, that's when I'll, I'll do it. As much as our girls think they could do it right now, and I'm sure they could, get behind the wheel and just be perfectly fine. The closer they get to that time, again, they're, they're going to want uh, to do it, but not until the fullness of time. God's time is best time. When God does things, it's the right time. God's demonstrated this importance, the importance of his timing throughout history, and no greater thing has this been illustrated other than when he sent his son. In Galatians chapter 4, it says this, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Look at this, verse 4. But when the fullness of, of the time was come, when it was the right time, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Listen, why then? Why, why 2,000 years ago? Because man was under the law leading up to that, from the time of Moses all the way up. I mean, why didn't Jesus come before the time of Herod? Why didn't he come a, a, a couple hundred years before then? Why did he come then, and why didn't he come a couple hundred years after then? Because it was God's perfect time. In the fullness of time, he sent his son to do what the world needed him to do. It was God's perfect time. Back in our text, it says, And it came to pass when Laban heard these things, the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely thou art bone of my uh, bone, and uh, I'm sorry, thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. Sometimes we just won't let God do what he does best. Be God, our Father, who knows best. And it's because of our impatience. Again, think about it. We tell our kids that, right? I know we, t we tell our kids that a lot. Many of you have already raised your kids and they're out of your house. I'm sure you can think back and say, man, we told our kids that all the time. What is it that we tell them? What is it that you told them? Just be patient, right? We tell them that. Just be patient for whatever things that they want. We also tell them these things like this. Good things come to those who wait, right? We, we try to teach them the value of, of not rushing, of, of, of waiting for the right time. But again, the reality is we don't like that advice in our lives. I want God to fix this right now. I want him to fix my problem right now. I want God to help me out of this problem right now. I want God to give me the easy life right now. I want all of my money problems, my relationship problems, I want all my work problems, I want all these things fixed right now. This morning, let's be reminded that we need to trust God step by step, day by day, using those resources that he's given to us, his word, his spirit, prayer, pastors, teachers, counselors, and let's let him direct our steps. And let's be reminded in this story that we see with Jacob when we do that, when we wait on him for everything. It doesn't mean that we don't move in faith and act and we're just sitting back in our life not doing anything. I'm just waiting on God. No, no, that's not what faith is. But it's going God's way, not rushing, moving at his pace, knowing that he's going to bring the blessings in, in perfect time.
The old saying is so important. Pray like everything depends on God. But serve like everything depends on you. It's so important for us to remember today. Because you know what? We can do what we are charged to do with joy and with faithfulness. And when we do that, God shows up and does what only he can do. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. God's timing is perfect. Let's trust it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, the opportunity we have to um, just be in your word. Lord, we thank you for these reminders this morning and this encouragement. And I pray that maybe there's someone here this morning that's struggling with waiting on you. Maybe they're struggling with trusting you. Again, maybe there's someone here this morning that has never put their trust in you. I pray that you'd move in this invitation and they would at least come forward and they would say, I, I want to know what he's talking about. I want to know about heaven. I want to know about my sins being forgiven. I want to follow God's way. Lord, we ask that you would move in this invitation and that you'd be glorified in our response to this message. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.